Dean Gemmel here, and you're about to listen to another episode of The Whole Spiel from USA Curling. This one, a conversation with John Schuster, recorded a few weeks after he earned his fifth trip to the Olympic Games. Before we get to our interview, a few updates from USA Curling. January was a tough month as the Omicron variant forced us to cancel or postpone championships and events that are an essential part of what we do. We look forward to running championships, and as much as possible, alternative dates and qualification procedures are in place. We realize it's not easy for teams trying to plan their schedules, but we have announced some new dates and host sites, and based on advice we receive from our medical teams, we hope to have more news very soon. As challenging as COVID has been for planning and our Team USA athletes, it hasn't put the brakes on our Olympic marketing efforts. Our member clubs have received a digital media kit, and we've released a primer video on watching curling. Thanks to Craig Fisher of Fort Wayne for that idea. We also have a short video that clubs can use when they email participants after Learn to Curl, and we'll be producing a steady stream of content throughout the games. I hope everyone listening to this podcast helps ensure that it's shared widely. With that, let's get to this episode. He's the current Olympic gold medalist, and now he's set to be a five-time Olympian. John Schuster, welcome to the whole spiel. It's good to be at the whole spiel. (laughs) That's what you're on, man. You're my, yeah, the whole spiel, the new podcast from USA Curling, and we're glad to have you. Um, Let's talk about this journey. I mean, I was just telling you, I did some some research on five-time Olympians. Five-time Olympians from the U.S., you join a group that includes... Michael Phelps and Dara Torres, uh, Allison Felix, another five-time Olympian. And then when you get deeper than that, most of them are in sports like fencing, shooting, equestrian. So it's quite a, quite a thing. Now, you've just told me the only other five-time Olympian in curling would be Torger Norgard, who was an alternate in 2002. But how, when you won in, and went in 2006 to your first games, you won bronze with Team Fencing. Uh, did you imagine going to the next four after that? Uh, I probably imagined it, but I definitely didn't expect it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, knowing what you know about curling and just how hard it is, I think, I think people outside our sport don't realize how hard it is to go to the Olympic games and curling. And now you, you, you've owned it. Um, and you've won under different formats. Come talk about the, uh, this last best two or three final against team Dropkin. I, I was there. It was a great, uh, best two out of three. Some of the best curling I, I've seen in the United States. Tell me a little bit about that and, and, and sort of the emotional roller coaster that it was. Yeah. I mean, the, the last best two out of three or the last two we played, you know, I'd say that, you know, our team was, I, I liked our chances, you know, going in and thought, okay, we go out here and play well and we're just going to get, we'll, we'll, we'll win. Um, I mean, not taking anything away from those teams, but that's just right. how I felt as, as, you know, myself, but and this one felt different because I knew that we were going to have to go above and beyond, you know, just going out and playing well, because, you know, essentially, you know, we heard some chatter that all these other teams were talking amongst each other and like how you would beat our team. 
And there was, there was game plans essentially being built to beat us uh, around the country. And, and I, I knew that the way that team Dropkin plays that their game plan was, was a very effective way of essentially, you know, countering what it is that our team does. So uh, what, how would you describe what that game plan was for them? What do you think they were trying to accomplish when they played you? Well, I mean, they were trying to, to make it where, I mean, when they had the hammer, they would, you know, if, if they were behind, we're kind of going after conservative deuces and, and trying to take opportunities to maybe get bigger ends. And, and when they didn't have the hammer was to play, you know, I mean, make sure they, they did everything they could do to, to force us. And that sounds like classic curling, but they did it at a very, you know, a lot of, a lot of hitting, not a ton of rocks in play. Right. You know, right. they're, they're hoping we we're going to be throwing, you know, double center guards so they could, you know, let us have the first one and then tick the second one and end up with some corner guards and rock and play. And, and we knew that we had to try to, you know, the double center, we tried a few times against them um, when we were behind in that last round robin game we played and it, it went sideways. So we knew the double center was not something we were going to be able to even try to utilize. And that was going to be the way we were going to have to try to neutralize their tick game. Cause, cause Tom Hall is an excellent ticker. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, w- I was there, of course, and in the first round robin game, you guys were fully in control, I thought. Second time you played them in the round robin, you lost. And I thought the turning point was Corey Dropkin drew the side of the lid, I think, against three, right? Uh, it's sort of not a, I mean, Corey's a great player, but if you were going to give him a shot that he had to make, he'd probably like a run back over that, I think he'd probably say. So that sort of turned it for them, and then it turned again for you guys when that steal of two happened. Do you did 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 you feel it was that sort of compartmentalized, like it looked to two from a spectator's point of view? Oh, that was one hundred percent the turning point of that final series. I mean, he had a shot to go to the Olympics. Like right. he make he they score they score three or four there if he makes that shot, and uh, and they're going to the Olympics, and our our year was over. And uh, but in curling sometimes, and, and I've even talked to Corey about this after is they could have also drawn for one and they would have been two up playing the seventh end. And they're still in a very controlled position of the game. Um, but when you have a shot that shows itself, you know, as a potential game ender, a lot of times you play it, but sometimes when a half inch on either side of, of that game ender is a steal of two, sometimes you have to maybe, you know, assess if the risk is worth the reward or the reward right. is worth the risk. And, and, you know, he, he put that one back a little bit and, and it ran down the sheet and he hit the half inch on the other side of the shot that sends him to the Olympics. And that one gave us a steal of two and put us back in control of the game. Yeah. They, I mean, they didn't spend a lot of time discussing it. I think just because Corey was playing with a lot of confidence at that point, wouldn't you say, I mean, it felt like he was making everything and he, and, and sometimes when you have a hot skip like that as a team, you sort of want to ride that, don't you? Yeah, 100%. And, and, you know, I also told Corey, I said, if that same shot, you know, showed itself for us, I think we're probably playing it as well. So it's not like he did the wrong thing. It's just um, having the ability to kind of step back and say, okay, is this what we need to be playing to give ourselves the best chance to win in that particular situation? Um, from our perspective, though, you know, at the fifth end break, we had a big, long conversation. It's like, we got to make these back end guys because we didn't make Joe throw too many you know, difficult shots that had consequences. And we needed to make, we really wanted to make Corey throw a shot that was very precise that had consequences. And that's exactly what that shot was. Yeah. I think until then he was throwing mainly what I'd call offensive shots where he's trying to build on an opportunity and you guys were a little bit on your heels. So it was, it was really like uh, an interesting boxing match back and forth in terms of a, a curling game. 
Um, when I looked at that shot he threw, I, I, th- I thought there was a chance to easily give up a steal of one, but I didn't see the steal of two happening. When you threw your last shot in that end, you said, oh, we've left him a shot for five. So um, uh, loud enough that everybody heard it. So, uh, um, you know, did you, you saw it right away, and, and uh, that might have influenced them to play it right away. Do you think? Oh, I don't think so because – you know, those guys were already looking at it and I look, I'm like, Oh no, we just left him a shot for five. Like right. it was more of a, a post thing, but you know, at the same, in the same breath, I mean, I guess in hindsight has my, if my rock doesn't, it kind of took a stop quick and had it gone, yeah. you know, two inches further, all of a sudden he has to throw the draw for one, or if it stops two inches shorter, has to right. throw the draw for one. Cause there's nothing there for a big end. And, and serendipitously it stopped in exactly the wrong place that also gave us, you know, a big opportunity to get a steal of multiple. Yeah. And, and, and then it was just like an entirely different, uh, field of play after that. It was, it was sort of remarkable. Um, but, uh, anyways, like I said, I, I thought credit to both teams, uh, because it was really, I thought some of the finest curling we've seen in a, in a trials, uh, let's talk about, you know, your first winter Olympics was in 2006. You won a bronze playing with team fencing. Um, and, and, you know, contrast, compare and contrast that. So 2006, the field, the state of curling, uh, to what you're going to face in 2022. Yeah. The, uh, curling is a different game now than it was then. That's for sure. I mean, carbon fiber brooms are kind of just coming out right before the 2006 Olympics. And, you know, so sweeping became now, you know, maybe easier to be better at it because you had, you didn't expend so much energy pushing around those giant brownies that everybody's using right. before that. And, uh, and yeah, and the, and the teams were back then, I think older than they are now. Yep. And, and not nearly as in good a shape uh, than right. the teams are now. And, and honestly, I think other than the team that Canada was sending, I don't think from a strategy standpoint, like you could beat teams on strategy for, you know, other than, other than the Canadian team on a regular basis, if you executed. And now uh, that's not the case, you know, even with, you know, there's going to be six or seven or eight teams at this Olympics that you're going to have to not only, you know, execute as well or better than them, but then also you're not going to get those, you know, a lot of those big strategy errors that we used to maybe get back in 2006 against teams. Yeah. I mean, Marco Uso Pavlonimi was a silver medalist in 2006. Right. And, you know, I, I think, you know, not, not to take anything away from that team at the time, but it's definitely the level of precision is so much higher now, isn't it? It, it really is. It really is. And, uh, and yeah, but that's, you know, Marco and his team was a, a great, I mean, really shows that in a, in a smaller tournament, like 10 teams, as opposed to our worlds, which are, you know, 12 or 13 or 14 now, even right. uh, that, you know, especially when it's just a semifinal and a final uh, it's not quite as you definitely give the opportunity to some teams that maybe just have a skip that gets really hot, you know, getting a chance to win an Olympic medal. And that's still the case. I think that's what people think was the case with us in 2018. Well, yeah. I mean, having played in both, uh, you know, Compare and contrast uh, playing in a world championship versus an Olympic games. I mean, the world championship is a gauntlet. Like it, it really is. Even when it was 12 teams, you had 11 games. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, you know, a true gauntlet. And then up until a couple of years ago, that gauntlet was if you didn't finish in the top two at the end of the round robin, now you got to win three games. So you essentially have to beat all three teams that qualified for the playoffs with you to win a world championship. Um, whereas at the Olympics, you finish you know, like we did third or fourth in the round robin, you just have to win two games and beat two of those three teams, which gives you a much better chance probably, you know, to, to get a title and it would be at the world championships, but the world has changed a little bit there too. 
Well, I, I think the difference though, right, is you feel, as you have so acutely, you feel the weight of the entire country versus just uh, our nation's curlers, correct? That is that is definitely what, you know, I think I discovered, you know, throughout my Olympic career. Yep, is that 2010, 14, and the first half of 18, right? I mean. Yep, and, and that was where, you know, the second half of 18, I finally gave, I, I finally gave myself a break and was like, you know what? forget about the rest of the country and the million people that might be paying attention as opposed to the, you know, 20,000 that would have been paying attention, you know, had you been playing a world championship and even forget about that too. And, and go out there and play for play for four guys, the, right. you know, the three on the ice and your alternate and, uh, and, and the work that we put in. And that's really where, you know, I think I finally found the secret sauce, um, you know, in curling and, and hence how you've seen kind of our, you know, our team's growth and success even beyond that 2018 Olympics. Yeah, I would say your team has improved. I mean, uh, and I think you personally, I've seen, watched your own game evolve and improve. I think your point there is a good one for people listening who are, who are trying to curl an elite level of playing for your teammates. I've heard Wayne Madas say that, you know, he plays for the three other guys in his team. And I, I imagine it could be easy at the Olympics when people like Kirstie Alley are tweeting some stuff that, you know, not that anybody cares what she says, but you know what I mean? There's a lot of trash going on. And, and it's, uh, so that's really was the difference in 2018. You just said, I'm playing for my guys and myself and, and whatever happens, happens. That's exactly where the turning port hap point happened. But, you know, I think 2018, we also had a little, you know, we got a little bit of a little, we'll call it a lucky break. Um, with, with the social media aspect is that everybody was having so much fun with Matt Hamilton's you know, right. mustache and his persona and the mixed doubles and, you know, and they didn't, they weren't necessarily successful, but we had so much fun with social media. Cause yeah, that the Kirstie Alley thing was hilarious. Like, <laughs> you know, she says something about, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, but you know, this curling just isn't, you know, that, uh, that exciting to me. And, and then, you know, Price Atkinson who was running our social media is like, no offense, but, uh, you know, not exactly all of your movies were, movies. you know, great <laughs> cinema. So, yeah. I know. I loved it. Yeah. So it was a nice comeback. So, and so we had, and we had fun with that. And, uh, and I think that was the other part, like we actually had fun with social media for a change. Whereas, you know, I looked at social media in 2010 and you start feeling bad about yourself pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, anybody who's a performer, uh, you know, you're a performer as an Olympic athlete, anybody who's a performer on anything, whether it's, you know, acting or comedy or whatever, if you start to dive into social media, it gets, you can really be careful. You can really end up in a dark place. I know there's lots of performers that just don't look at it anymore for that very reason. So, yeah. And, and you got to just, you just have to be careful. That's all. Yeah. Um, you know, you've been in all kinds of different Olympic games at this point, right? From 2006 in Torino to 2010 in Vancouver, which was his own animal. Now, you know, you're going to be at Beijing in Beijing, uh, and we're still under the cloud of COVID. Uh, how are you preparing for these games? You know, I think the preparation for this games is, is pretty similar to the, how we prepared for, for Pyeongchang. Um, you know, other than, you know, our families aren't going to be there with us. So we're not, I mean, honestly, I'd, I spent, I spent a lot of time through all those Olympics trying to make sure that their accommodations were, you know, going to be something that wasn't going to cause them stress too. And, and yeah, we're, we're still trying to figure out where our families are going to go and how they're going to watch this Olympics too. So, um, but you know, that being said, our, our team knows that when you go to an Olympics, you're pretty much, you know, in the Olympic village and, and doing the food thing and, and you're kind of in a bubble anyways. So I think honestly, you know, all these previous Olympics and knowing how you're kind of bubbled anyways with other athletes is, is not really that much different, except for, we're not going to have you know, I'm not going to be able to take that walk with my wife and kids that really got my mind in the right place and, right. and you're going to have to, 
you know, go there maybe a little bit more mentally tough, you know, than we have in the past. Cause we're going to really have to lean on each other as opposed to leaning on the outside world. So now it'll be a zoom call instead of the walk. You'll do that. If, if zoom is working in China, but we'll, yeah, we'll, right. Um, Hey, uh, Talk about just yesterday, uh, your teammate Chris Plies and Vicky Persinger got the uh, spot in the mixed doubles in that Olympic qualifier event, which was, you know, they played fantastic. Obviously, you've got to be pretty happy with the way your third Chris Plies is playing right now. Yeah, 100%. I mean, when uh, when he won the trials, even, you know, I was I was screaming at the TV as that trials game was ending. When Vicky made that last shot, I, you know, I think that was the loudest I've screamed at my TV because I care deeply about my teammate and you know, and I've gotten close with Vicky over the last couple of years too, because when we're at tournaments, including the trials, like yep. Corey and myself and Vicky and Chris, like generally get a, you know, get a house together and, and we're like one team, even though we're playing, you know, against each other. Yeah, and, uh, aspect of mixed doubles trials. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so, I mean, I felt so com- compelled that I was, I was home at superior and I, I ran to, uh, I ran to the store over here and grabbed, grabbed a bottle of champagne and ran it up there before they left there. Cause I just was so excited for them. And, um, and honestly, like same thing yesterday when they won, I was, uh, when their game was going on, I was watching as a, the biggest fan probably out there. And, and I couldn't have been more proud with, you know, how both of them played, but for sure, you know, you know, my teammate who, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time playing with and training with and, and spending a lot of time outside of curling with over the last four years. And, and yeah, he was, he made it, he made a skipper very proud yesterday. And I think, you know, he's now gets a chance to go to the Olympics and, and get it rolling. And, and they have a legitimate chance of, of winning the Olympic gold and mixed doubles because they're a great team. And, and obviously he can take the momentum that, that he can build off of mixed doubles and just continue it on and, and come out there and dominate in the men's program as well. Anything you learned from last time when your teammate, Matt Hamilton played in the mixed doubles with his sister, Becca, that you'll take to this experience now with Chris playing in mixed doubles in advance of, of the men's and women's. It's, it's actually kind of funny. Cause I think really, I mean, you don't do a lot with them other than encourage them and get to cheer them on. And we're not going to be there. You know, we're going to get there kind of the same time. They're going to be halfway through their competition before we even arrive in China. So, um, you know, just, supporting him and, and being a sounding board for anything he needs during the thing. And, and then, you know, the, when, when it comes time, when mixed doubles ends, no matter how well, good or bad or otherwise it goes for him to, to welcome him back onto our team and, uh, and, and honestly get back to work. So yeah, back onto the Island. Now you got your next work, your next job to work on. Um, Hey, that Olympic qualifying event they were in, you've been in one of those before with the men's team. What's the pressure in that? Like, I have to think it's even worse. <laughs> You'd think so, but I was, um, when we were there, I, I was in same thing. I told Chris, I said, you're going to go there and you're going to be, there's maybe one other team that can shoot with you there. And that's Russia. Right. And of course right. that's the team he's playing to go to the Olympics. Right. right. Uh, and so if you go there and you take care of business and focus on you and what you're doing, the results will happen. And that's really what I thought when we went to that Olympic qualifier event in China or sorry, in, in uh, Germany, where it was for us is that, you know what, like we're going to be the best team top to bottom in this competition. And these other teams are obviously, you know, very good curling teams, but if we go there and, and control what we can control, we should get our spot at the Olympics. And that was, it it wasn't, I honestly, I hardly remember it even being a crazy pressure situation, which is insane to think about, but, but, you know, our trials were 
were more difficult than the Olympic qualifying event back in 2018 or in 2014. And, and I, and Chris, I think, you know, I, I truly believe that our trials were a much, much tougher competition to win than what he was going to go play in. So they just had to do what they did at trials and play well, and they'd give themselves a great chance to make it to the Olympics. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fair fair and accurate assessment. I think the strength of field at uh, the U.S. Olympic mixed doubles trials was uh, was was really great. Uh, I mean, I was there, and and I thought it was uh, it was exciting to see where our collection of top players is at, and and um, and then you know at, at the team trials, I think certainly, like I said, I think that was a such a great men's final, and I think Tabitha Peterson's team now on the women's side. I I, I think we all we go in with with serious contenders, which I, you know, I think you'd admit wasn't always the case at every Olympic games. And, uh, so it's exciting to see, um, you know, so, uh, have you heard, uh, you know, you've, you, what's life been like since this, you know, since this latest win, I know you just got off an interview with NBC. That's why you have that nice new microphone. So perk of being Olympian, you get a new microphone, but, uh, what has the pace been like? It's certainly something you're used to now, but what's it been like so far? I mean, it's, it's been a lot. I, I pretty much have some sort of, you know, call or podcast or something that I've been doing every day. And I don't necessarily have to do that. Uh, but you know, for me, I, I like growing our game as you know, um, as much as anybody and, and honestly not having a job outside of, outside of curling and, and being a stay at home dad. And so I, you know, get my kids ready for school in the morning, get them off to school. And then I don't have anything on my agenda generally during the day, except for getting my, you know, workout and practice in and, um, and, and so, yeah, throwing that stuff in and, and growing, uh, you know, both, you know, our teams, you know, following to the, you know, to the best of my ability. And I try to keep a lot of that off my teammates plates too. Cause you know, those guys are out there, you know, working jobs and Chris obviously had the Olympic qualifier going too, but, uh, but it's been pretty fast paced, but, you know, we've been pretty excited. We're actually working with, um, with Lawler down in Omaha who did all the, all the merch for our trials and they're actually getting some stuff out there for, you know, for our fans too coming up very shortly to, you know, show their support of, of our team too. And I've been working a lot trying to get some stuff out there for our fans, which that's been a huge demand since we won as well. That's terrific. I, I think there's some pieces in place that could make this, yeah, a, a, you know, maybe the best games to grow your team's profile, your profile some more. Quickly, I'll end with this. Your thoughts on growing the game. You mentioned that. I know how committed you are to it. Uh, people may not realize, not everybody may not realize, but you, uh, you're behind the National 5 and Under Championship that we're doing with USA Curling so far. And like I said to you when I started working with you a little bit on it, I said, you can give me 10% of your time and your name, but you've given me 90% of your time and your name. So um, uh, what are you looking forward to in May when we when we go out to California for that? You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, the excitement for being there. Uh, all those curlers, when they arrive there, um, I want to give them a national championship feeling like that they're playing in something different than they've ever played in before. And, uh, and yeah, and I, just from the the talk, you know, I have two or three teams in my own club who are doing everything they can to get there. One of them, I said, Hey, there's a qualifier in grand forks this weekend. You know, that might be a potentially better opportunity to qualify for it than trying to play, you know, in our Duluth event, which is probably going to have 32 or 48 teams in it. You can go play, you know, in this North Dakota one, I have no idea how many teams. And yeah, there was significantly less teams, but they got second. And I was like, well, maybe the team that's that one isn't going to go. They're like, nope, they're going. Oh yeah. They're <laughs> so, excited. I heard from them right away. So. so, so that's, that's the part that when, 
when that was said to me from Scott, my, my friend who was out there playing in that in, in Grand Forks, it really, you know, kind of, I guess, um, solidifies the thought that, that these curlers are, are excited and, and really looking forward to that opportunity. So, um, I'm looking forward to, to being out there in May and, and seeing it firsthand and, and honestly, you know, being, being involved in, in trying to help those people, you know, continue whatever their curling journey is going to be. Well, John, I appreciate that. And I know curlers appreciate it. I, we're looking forward at USA curling to making that a really the kind of event you just described. So, um, Bottom line, thanks very much for your time. I know it's busy. Uh, we're all excited to watch you and your team and Tabitha and her team and Vicky and Chris at the Olympic Games. Um, it's It's been, uh, I think, post-COVID, it's been a nice sense of some normal to be able to watch high-level curling, and I'm sure for you to compete in it. So uh, best of luck uh, as you continue this journey, and I, I know we'll be talking quite regularly. That uh, sounds great, Dean. Thanks for having me today. That was John Schuster on the whole spiel. I hope you're ready for a great month of curling and cheer on John and all of our athletes representing the United States on the ice at the Olympic Games. I'm Dean Gemmel, Director of Curling Development at USA Curling, and I hope you'll reach out to me with suggestions for future episodes or to share ideas that can help grow our game. Email me at dean.gemmel at usacurling.com. Org. And remember to visit the USA Curling website frequently for news, links to social media, and USA Curling apparel and merchandise. Be a member, be a supporter, be a fan, but stay involved in the sport you love. <laughs>